And uh, right around that time, um, my company laid off about 75% of its workforce. And I, I just remember sitting in that room and everyone else in the room is really kind of upset. You know, they're, they're losing their livelihood. It makes perfect sense. And I, I don't know what it was, but something in my head clicked completely different. Um, if anything, I was excited about an opportunity that this presented. I never would have been able to uh, make three different bars, keeping up with demand, getting new customers, shipping out products, do all of these things while working a full-time job. And, and, and I don't think I ever would have left the security and safety net that a full-time job provides. And so, um, you know, whereas other people, it was, it was a really hard thing for, for me. Um, I saw it as an opportunity uh, to, to really grow the business. to the Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast, the exploration of life fully optimized with Megan Hotman. Hey listeners, we are really excited to announce that we've got a new sponsor for the show, Crafted Energy. Crafted Energy is the first and only functional energy bar specifically built for cyclists. Each plant-based and clean label ingredient was chosen to support the unique nutritional needs of cyclists. They also make a bar specifically for runners and a bar specifically for climbers. Their bars not only focus on quick and sustained energy, but also include ingredients that naturally fight muscle soreness. Our listeners get 10% off their total purchase using Hotman as a promo code at checkout. Visit craftedenergy.com to learn more about their functional energy. That's crafted, C-R-A-F-T-E-D, energy.com. And the code is spelled Hotman, H-O-T-T-M-A-N. I found these bars a while back. They are made in Phoenix, Arizona, and I personally really love them, really enjoy them. They've got some brand new packaging that makes the bars a perfect fit for the back of a cycling jersey and they taste amazing. I also love the fact that they don't get all melty and gross in the wrappers when you're out trying to eat them on a bike ride or a run. So I hope that you'll check them out, take advantage of their discount, and we are so excited to have them on board as a new sponsor. Hey, you guys. Welcome back to the Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast. Today is March 1st, 2021. It is still so crazy when we have guests on the show uh, for us to be referring back to things in late 2019. And sometimes it feels like 2020 just evaporated, um, almost non-existent in some ways. It was late 2019 and here we are spring of 2021. Uh, anyway, I digress. I've got a few books and mentions to throw into the intro today, just things that I've been working with that are on my mind and um, wanted to share them, one of which is a book that is specifically on point with today's guest, Ryan Nabashek, the CEO and co-founder of Crafted Energy. He talks about how he was working on his side hustle, even when he was working in a corporate job. And a book that I read and continue to refer back to that encourages that practice for people who are multi-passionate and have varied interests and perhaps struggle when they are locked into just the one thing or just the one career, or maybe they don't love their job, um, but have evenings and weekends to work on something on the side that really lights them up. Uh, the book is called How to Be Everything by Emily Wapnick, a guide for those who still don't know what they want to be when they grow up. I've really, really enjoyed the book and recommend it to you if you're exploring perhaps a pivot as a result of 2020 and COVID maybe or just at a phase of your career, or just life in general, when you're looking for that thing that really makes you light up and that you're really excited to work on. Um, the book proposes several different approaches to nurturing those interests, even while you're still employed full-time in your current endeavor. And Ryan is a perfect illustration of, of why that's a wonderful idea to start something on the side rather than making the big drastic leap from the thing you currently do into the new unknown thing without some sort of bridge in between. So I think that's a really great book and I was just reminded of it uh, during our interview. 
I want to also just give a shout out to the Oak Journal. It's a 90-day journal founded by a fellow Colorado entrepreneur organization member named Keith Roberts. He created this journal specifically with a 90-day time frame in mind because studies have shown that that is a really great timeline for humans to set goals that are measurable and specific and attainable and realistic, um, smart goals as, as they call it. And I have been using my Oak Journal. I specifically waited until February 1st to start with it. Um, wanted to avoid, of course, the cliche January 1. I kind of gave myself some breathing room in January and then really set three specific goals on February 1st. And the journal is a daily journal that you write in, you map out your day, and I've really found that exercise to be most impactful when you sit down in the morning and you map out your schedule in pen on paper. I find that I'm losing less time just to silly stuff throughout the day, and it's really holding me accountable to those three goals that I set for the 90 days. In fact, the first goal and half of the second one, which were financial goals, um, are, are, are met. And the third goal was sort of a side hustle, um, creative project goal that I am taking steps specifically to um, meet and hopefully realize that goal by the end of that 90 days, which will be at the end of April. So just a shout out to the journal, not sponsored by them or anything, but definitely check out the Oak Journal method if that interests you. And um, I really love the daily quotes and just some of the prompts in the journal, as well as it's just a gorgeous journal. It's... Um, really beautiful. And they just ran a Kickstarter campaign for their next new round of upgraded journals, which will now be uh, USA made out of sustainable materials, which is super rad. On the topic of sustainable materials, and I realize I'm a bit all over the place, but that's sort of where my head's at these days. I just got back from another van adventure where I put myself back out in nature in an area, again, with no cell signal, which is just so incredible for so many reasons. Um, it's funny how you go from sort of touching the phone frequently to sort of setting the phone down to a day or two into the thing, not even really knowing where the phone is and not touching it and not compulsively looking at it for any myriad of reasons. Um, it's really refreshing. I highly recommend if you can go somewhere where there is no cell phone signal. Anyway, while I was on this trip, I took a very short, quick little read. It's called The Minimalist Vegan. And you could probably read it in a couple hours. I read it um, during the course of a couple evenings out there in the van. And it found me at the perfect place at the perfect time. It doesn't state anything that we don't all already know, um, but it talks about combining really the concepts of minimalism, which is to say just simply not buying things that we don't need, using what we already have, using it until it's literally worn out, um, and just being very conscious consumers about the things that we do buy, the companies that we do patronize, um, keeping life simple and really keeping clutter out of the equation. And that doesn't just go for material possessions. That includes things like what we consume on social media, the number of apps that we download on our phones, and so on. And the second half of the book talks about veganism and really how that ties into this minimalism and conscious consumer mindset. And it really breaks down all of the myriad of reasons why it's a good idea to not consume animal products from the actual animals themselves, which has always been a big one for me, to the workers that have to work in those environments and the damage that it does to them as humans, to the damage done especially by factory farming and um, factory fishing to the local environments, the local communities, dealing with just the byproducts. I know everyone knows all these things. I, I don't need to state the obvious. Um, I was a diehard vegetarian for 14 years. Uh, PETA sent me some very influential materials in the mail when I was 14. And I remember walking downstairs to the kitchen at my house and informing my parents that I was going to become a vegetarian, having read those PETA materials. And um, I suspect that they wanted to support me, but I kind of sensed that they thought it was just a phase. And as it turned out, that phase lasted 14 years. I was really strict about being a vegetarian until my late 20s, early 30s, when I was very serious about bike racing and was convinced by other athletes and coaches that I needed more animal proteins to be stronger on the bike. So I did start or resume eating animal products and have done so on and off for the last decade. 
I did have a brief stint of veganism experimentation back in 2018, shortly after I quit drinking alcohol in late 2017. And I was working with my functional medicine doctor during the course of the vegan experiment, having blood work done just to make sure I was on track. And the first six months, my health was stellar and the numbers were spectacular. And then unfortunately, the last six months, um, things didn't go as well. And it's definitely um, a lifestyle that requires very intentional food choices and meal prep because it can be very easy to fall back on what I call junk veganism, which is all of the animal-free products that are filled with other things instead, like wheat gluten, for example, when I try to be pretty gluten light. Um, all this to say, I'm just in a space where I feel like it found me again at a really brilliant time. I'm really excited to be kicking off, I would say, 90% veganism lifestyle, where um, uh, the occasional egg or um, slice of butter and a pastry may still find its way into my stomach, but certainly setting aside the consumption of meats and um, animal products. And it's just really a perfect, beautiful time for that health reset for me as well. Um, you'll hear in the episode, I've been wearing a continuous blood glucose monitor in my arm. It's made by this company called NutriSense. Definitely check them out. You don't need a prescription and it will ship straight to your door. And it's a little sensor that plugs into the back of your arm and, um, and checks out what your blood sugar is doing in relation to the foods that you're eating. And I've just been super curious about consumption of foods, timing of foods, what it's doing specifically in my sleep at night, and also what I feel relative to what my blood sugar says is happening inside me. Um, that's also been a really interesting and curious experiment, and uh, it coincided with the third book I'll mention, which is Dave Asprey's newest book about fasting, intermittent fasting, called Fast This Way. And um, definitely check out the book if you're interested or curious about intermittent fasting. I think there are some pretty compelling reasons to do it now and then, and one of the suggestions he talks about is um, adding some of that MCT oil that he recommends for Bulletproof Coffee to your evening, like pre-bedtime routine, having some of that fat in your system when it's time for sleep. Um, I learned a lot about ketosis and autophagy and some of these other concepts that I didn't know much about. And so if that interests you, certainly check out that book. Again, not sponsored by any of these products, just sharing the things that are in my universe right now and the things that are swirling around me. If you want to read more about that van trip, um, I have been blogging about those adventures over at MeganHotman.com, M-E-G-A-N-H-O-T-T-M-A-N.com. You can find the blog there. With that, this intro has been super long, and I'm not going to apologize for that because I had things I wanted to share. So please welcome my guest today, uh, Ryan of Crafted Energy. I think you'll find him just as enthusiastic and uplifting and inspiring as I do. He certainly is very compelling to listen to when he talks about his company and his product. And as a frequent consumer of his bars, specifically the cyclist bar, but I do also break the rules, if you will, and eat a climber or a runner bar on my bike rides because they're all delicious. Um, I'm a firm believer in these products. I do love the ingredients and I also love how they make me feel during my workouts. So thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate your support and your listening ear and your curiosity. And I hope you're having a rad day. Take care. Hey, Ryan Nabashek, founder and CEO of Crafted Energy. Welcome to Maximum Enthusiasm. Thank you for having me, Megan. I am so excited to talk to you, Ryan, because the point of this show is really to help people find that quote, maximum enthusiasm in their life. And much of that is literally crafting our ideal journey and our ideal, ideal work and sort of passion pursuits and doing the things that bring us the maximum amount of, you know, enjoyment and fulfillment. And I know that you literally left a desk job doing sort of corporate consulting. And I want to talk about that. And you went to make some really healthy energy bars in your kitchen and here you are today with this amazing company that I want to talk more about. But first, can you tell our listeners about that journey, that decision to really take the plunge and go all in on this energy bar company? 
Yeah, and I, I'd like to um, I'd like to to think it's not as sexy as it always uh, comes off in these founder stories. Um, I actually uh, fast forwarding quick. I actually got laid off, and so as a result, it gave me an opportunity, as I like to see it, to explore this this further. Um, rewinding for a second, I've been working um, as a as a consultant within the digital marketing agency that I've been working at. And uh, I, I've been working on Crafted for, I'd say, about two, two and a half years at that time. I would go, um, I'd go after work and go make bars in a commercial kitchen for uh, four to five hours, and then I'd go home, and then I would do the same thing, you know, the next day. Um, you know, we didn't have a very sophisticated process for manufacturing our bars. It's just our hands and some processing equipment that you could buy, you know, off the shelf at Bed Bath and Beyond, and so. Um, you know, I, I had an opportunity to really uh, treat our business in an essence as a proof of concept. You know, we're doing something that we felt was really unique in the space, which is treating food as both fuel and medicine. And not only that, but, but being a lot more targeted about how we approach the ingredients that we're using, uh, targeting the specific needs of uh, a sport. And, and we started off with climbing. That's between the three partners, Zach Olschwanger, Dr. Dershan Shah and myself, uh, we're all climbers amongst other disciplines, but uh, that's the one thing that we really found connected us as, as a gap in the market. There's nothing towards climbing. There are uh, sports nutrition products that are focused on endurance sports. Um, but, you know, I'd been going um, after, after work to, to make bars in the kitchen, and uh, we started getting a lot of really good feedback that, that people liked this concept, whether it was a gap in the climbing community that no, nothing nutritionally really ever stood out for that community, or the fact that we were using kind of functional ingredients, as we, as we call them. Um, you know, we, we started getting a lot of great feedback, and we decided uh, to, to explore some other communities looking at cycling and running. And uh, right around that time, um, my company laid off about 75% of its workforce. And I, I just remember sitting in that room and everyone else in the room was really kind of upset. You know, they're, they're losing their livelihood. It makes perfect sense. And I, I don't know what it was, but something in my head clicked completely different. Um, if anything, I was excited about an opportunity that this presented. I never would have been able to uh, make three different bars, keeping up with demand, getting new customers, shipping out products, do all of these things while working a full-time job. And, and, and I don't think I ever would have left the security and safety net that a full-time job provides. And so, um, you know, whereas other people, it was, it was a really hard thing for, for me. Um, I saw it as an opportunity in, uh, to, to really grow the business as, as we moved from a proof of concept to a business. So that really brings up two things for me. One, where did the drive and the passion come from that sent you straight from a full-time job all day into a kitchen for a good chunk of your evenings? Like, where does that deep passion come from? And then second, like, how smart and really beautiful and brilliant to be nurturing a side hustle. I mean, that's just like a good reminder to all of us not to put all your eggs in one basket being the corporate job or the desk job, but also it's really healthy to be nurturing the thing that lights you up on the side, just in case you get let go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I like to think that like my drive for creating something or starting something goes all the way back to uh, like childhood, uh, you know, standing on the street corner um, trying to sell lemonade. Um, every summer, my, my brother, my sister, and some of the neighborhood kids would, would do this. And, and I always found it to be really exciting. And, and I think it's, it's just being a part of something and building something that didn't exist um, before you had a hand in it. I think that there's always something really exciting about that. It's not always the sexiest journey to be on, but um, it's cool to say that you, you, you took the time and you built something. And that, that's something that always appealed to me. I actually started... Uh, uh, a business in college that was a like a student-run record label. I was really into music business as uh, at the time. I, I am I I, uh, I I like to play guitar. Um, I, I I did perform a little bit, um, you know, back in the day, and and I I wasn't really great at that, and so I was like maybe I'll I'll try the managing side of things, managing uh, the artists in. Um, Zach Olschwinger, my partner for Crafted, he, he jumped on board and helped me with this for about a year. But I always just had a drive of, of creating something. 
Um, but I, I think that what you said st stands out, which is, you know, it's always really important to just nurture something on the side. It doesn't have to become something. Um, it should only become something if you're really passionate about it and you're really driven to make something of it. Um, you know, I, I, I ran this business for two and a half years and put a lot of sweat into it. And I had a full-time job on, on the side. Um, I had dreams of, of moving full-time. I didn't think it was going to be because I got laid off, but, uh, you know, it was serendipitous that it did happen. But um, I think it's really healthy to, to be creative and find ways to have an output, whether it's creating a business, whether it's, you know, uh, a really, uh, you know, consistent exercise routine, whatever it might be for you. I think it's important to have something um, that is uniquely, you know, taking your creative uh, juices and, and putting them to use. And I think that's a really healthy way to approach it too, where we put ourselves in these boxes where your job has to be the thing that fills you up. And if it's not, maybe you don't love it, but you don't hate it. Like it's good and it pays the bills and that's okay. That's a good space to be in. But I think it's really beautiful that you launched a whole nother thing on the side that really filled that space for you and that creative outlet, as you said, sort of the artist and the inventor and the salesman in you. Um, and they could have continued side by side for a period of time. And I mean, I guess if our listeners yeah. hear nothing else, I would want them to take that from your show is that you don't have to wait to actually jump ship from the thing you have going on right now. They can, they are, they are not mutually exclusive. And a lot of people I think are afraid to take the leap because they don't want to leave the safety net. It's, it's a perfectly reasonable fear too. Um, you know, it, it takes a lot of money to run a business. And, and if you don't have the money to fund it yourself, uh, you're, you're under constant stress of making sure you have the money to, to operate the business. I think there's a lot of comfort in doing things as lean as possible, especially early in that, in that time where I was making bars. We were really, really lean. I wasn't spending money on anything. Um, you know, we, we, we got our design done, but I was doing everything else myself because I didn't want to pay anyone to design the things I could just do myself. Uh, I didn't want to really pay anyone to make the bars if I could make it myself. Um, it's important to be really lean and, and just see, like, is this something that can work? We eventually got to the point where that felt like an easy yes. We got, we got years of feedback of people saying, we like this product. What other sports are you going to do next? before you know we really even decided to to branch out and so yeah it's, it's i think it's incredibly healthy and important to really just be methodical about how you build something and do it slow and don't do it in a way that you think is going to be a splash in the news um do it do it a really methodical uh, approach and and you know really uh make sure that it's something that really connects with you if, if it doesn't connect with you you know people are going to see that from the outside that resonates with me because I built my law firm the same way. I did not take on a bunch of debt to start the business. I grew it from the ground up. And I think you and I have this in common that our resistance to taking that debt signifies our resistance to have something else controlling the business decisions that we make. And yeah. you're not I didn't, I didn't think of it that way, but yeah. 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 You're not driven by, and I know that you've got investors and that's a slightly different situation, um, which I don't consider debt per se, but you didn't go out and buy, you know, hundreds and thousands of dollars of commercial, you know, kitchen wares. And then now suddenly you're facing this debt, which really becomes a noose around one neck. And instead you got to really grow this thing organically, see where it went. And I feel like kind of gave yourself the space to be super creative with it. Yeah, just test everything i mean everything that we've done to this point and even continue to do we view as a test um you know we're not we're not a, a, a tens of millions of dollar type you know business and, and revenue um so we we have an opportunity to be agile about how we approach our business and so that means testing new messaging testing new marketing strategies testing potentially new products and so um yeah when you when you when you don't when you're not at the beck and call of, of all of these other parties, you have an opportunity to really, um, you know, be yourself and test things yourself and not have to worry about the, the outside forces that might, that might be. So it's obvious to me, let's talk about the product for a second. Yeah. And for our listeners, it's crafted energy. 
And um, the website is craftedenergy.com, correct? Yep, that's it. And your bars and the thing that I love most about them and what really in my mind separates and delineates them from other um, bars on the market is that all of the ingredients are completely pronounceable. <laughs> they are all actual foods. There are no preservatives. There's no like long words that look something like formaldehyde. There's nothing like that in there. It's all natural ingredients. Right. And there's really only like a handful of ingredients. Your package is 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 sustainably made and sustainably disposed of and you know tell me what's driving all of that like there's the vegan component the the healthy packaging the healthy ingredients why is that so important to you mm -hmm. it's it's pretty simple we we kind of just said what do we want you know it, it could have been something else that was on the market currently but it, it wasn't and, and all of these things lined up for us. Um, when, you, when you look at food as fuel and medicine, um, you have to look at every ingredient that's in there, not just the ones that are marketed out there. Like you see things like natural flavors. Those are just additives, right? So they're not treating anything from a fuel or uh, a, uh, you know, a medicine perspective. And so um, what we said is we want, we want to be, a, we want to be a really natural product. So uh, we want to use all plant-based ingredients, not just things that you can pronounce, but just like real ingredients. There's, there's plant-based ingredients, real ingredients that, you know, are, are byproducts of others. We wanted to be really whole food focused. The other side of it is, you know, you can be whole food focused and have a ton of preservatives or uh, extra processing agents that are in there. And, and um, you know, we're, we're targeting towards athletes and athletes don't want that. We didn't want anything that, that, that felt like it shouldn't be there. And so what we said is we want to go this clean label route. That was something that um, there's, there's even still not a whole lot of products commercially made that, that are really clean label. Uh, and, and by that, I mean, you know, we don't use any ingredients that uh, have natural flavors, uh, processing aids, uh, you know, they don't have any, any preservatives, uh, nothing on the spec sheet that, you know, you don't have to declare on your label, things like that, that, that so many other brands just going down any grocery store aisle, not bars, but any aisle, uh, you would see flooded on a package. And so we just said we want it to be fully clean label. Um, but the, the most important thing is we, we saw back in 2015 when we were uh, creating this idea that the notion of functional nutrition is something that is coming, may not be here quite yet, uh, but, but it's coming and we want to be at the forefront of it. We, we want to help lead that charge. And, um, and here we are, what is it, about five, five or six years later, and now everyone's seeing functional nutrition as this like huge buzzword. Um, we said that we wanted to take the notion of functional nutrition. We wanted to take uh, Dr. Dershan Shah, our, one of our co-founders, his background as an integrative and holistic physician, and then uh, the third pillar there being sports nutrition, blend the three of those and then create a product that is uh, using functional real ingredients focused towards athletes from uh, a holistic perspective. And so that's what we have uh, in all three of our bars that we have on the shelf now with our climber, our runner and our cyclist is, is just that. And you and I recently communicated about the essence of the functional healthy aspect of this because I've been experimenting with wearing a continuous glucose monitor in my arm yeah. for the last three weeks or so. And I intentionally had an empty stomach and then ate, uh, crafted the cyclist bar and watched what it did to my blood sugar. And I had my suspicions and I know that you did too, that my suspicion was that it was not going to hijack my blood sugar. There are just a few grams of sugar in that bar, but it's nothing close to what most of the bike foods that we see contain. And again, it's the natural sources of sugar. It's things like dates and coconuts yeah. and blueberries and cashews. It's not high fructose corn syrup, and it's not the stuff that I really hate, like monk fruit or stevia. Um, and as predicted, yeah. it did not cause the sneaky ones. blood sugar. Yeah, <laughs> sneaky ones that taste awful, in my opinion. It did not hijack my blood sugar. It was not a spike. It was a small bump. 
um, consistent with what I would expect to see with a bowl of oatmeal or another fairly low glycemic index meal. And that's really encouraging to me as an endurance athlete because that means I'm not going to be out on a bike ride and have this massive sugar spike, the resulting insulin flooding my system, the, abilities, the body's inability to use fat for fuel. Um, I assume that this all went into the recipe creation. This was in the back of your minds, not by accident. In the testing process. Yeah, well, in the testing process, I mean, uh, you know, this isn't our first iteration that we were like, ah, you know, huzzah, we got it. Um, it. It took a lot of time to really dial in these recipes and change ingredients out that just really didn't work. And uh, not only did it maybe not work uh, as we intended from a functional perspective, but even commercially, um, we have to make sure that we can commercially create this product. And so um, we, I'd say, I'd say it probably took like a hundred iterations, hundred or so iterations yeah. for our original climber bar. Uh, there were a lot of people at that office job that were my guinea pigs at the time. Um, and then I think we really dialed it in once we came to our cyclist and runner bar because we, we knew the process now. And I think those really only were maybe about 30 iterations or so, uh, you know, for, for each of those bars. And so, you know, we really dialed it in. And, and the way that we tested these is, one, we tested it ourselves. We, we have to know how it interacts with our own bodies. But, um, you know, we've got we've got a network of athletes that we would just hand them to um, just in like a saran wrap or even a Ziploc bag, uh, just really early iterations and say, you know, go take this on a ride or go take this on, on a run and, um, you know, see how you feel. And, um, you know, we we also had, you know, individuals that were looking to optimize their own performance with whatever tools that they had um, and in running their own tests. And, you know, I think it's unique in the sense that uh, every athlete's uh, body is different. And so uh, even how it interacts in your body might be a little bit different than somebody else. So I think that's just to, to, to put that out there. But largely speaking, you know, we got really great feedback that we didn't have any sort of gut distress. There weren't any GI problems throughout the process. It digested well, uh, you know, that you could uh, get the fuel that you needed out of it relatively quick. Um, because it's not just the ingredients, it's not just how it feels in your body. It's actually uh, the other the other thing that we want in the background is actually to understand, you know, how it absorbs into your body. Because uh, if it takes a long time for you to digest it or for your body to absorb those nutrients, you're not going to get the recovery elements that we intended in there as well. And so, um, you know, that that all goes into this process. And I know, I think you've mentioned, it's like the number one question or the number two question you get is why diversify one for each sport versus doing sort of the one amazing energy bar or in multiple flavors? Like why go sport specific? Yeah, so, so we wanted to go sport specific because we felt it was really important to not be this one size fits all solution. Um, this, here's how I liken it. Um, I'm 6'5". Uh, things that are one size fits all typically don't work for me, right? <laughs> and so, and so the, just as a side anecdote, I never liked the idea of one size fits all. I've always toyed around with the idea of tailoring things for me. Um, and nutrition is always something that's been really important to me. So um, it just felt like a good fit that I could approach the unique needs of, of different sports rather than doing what all the other energy bars on the market are doing, which is treating energy as a one-size-fits-all solution. So uh, a good example here is our runner and our cyclist bars. Those are both endurance sports, and there is a big market for endurance sports nutrition. Uh, and there's a lot of people that are doing it right as well. But, but even between those two sports, running and cycling, um, those are very different. And so you look at running, which is very much so an impact sport, you look at cycling, which is very much so a muscular uh, sport, and and you, you try to look at the the recovery side of things, and you say, oh, well, I can't really just address the impact and address the the muscular side of things. We want the the concentration of ingredients to be one of those, um, and so that's how we approached it. We said we want to approach the unique needs of those sports because even between endurance, um, they're very different. And so, um, 
sports specific was an opportunity for us to uh, stand out in the market and provide a, a unique offering that really doesn't exist today. Um, we still get a lot of blowback for it, right? A lot of people saying, you know, hey, you know, why don't you go more general? And and I think that there's always a time and a place for that. But um, as someone who is a small brand entering in the marketplace, we felt it was really important to build a community that would be a really strong community for us and help us build our, our uh, brand into something that we could eventually maybe go more on the general side and still maintain the plant-based and clean label and functional side of things, but, but be a little bit more general. Uh, being sports-specific really allows us to grow our audience small and really allow that to snowball over time. Well, and it's pretty cool at this point that you have three flavors and you have three founders, correct? There are <laughs> yeah. you and two other guys. Yeah. yeah. And I would love to hear the origin story of that. You alluded to the fact that one of them was also with you in the record label pursuit. But how, yeah. how do three people come to co-found a business? And what advice would you give to people that are thinking of starting a business with someone they may be friends with? Um, I think the most important thing is that it, it has to feel natural. Um, the people that you work with have to challenge you. They have to make you yourself want to be better or work harder. Um, but but I think that, that maybe my relationship, especially with Zach, was unique in the sense that we're childhood best friends. Um, we've been through everything together. He's the best man at my wedding. He's seen me through all of my awkward teens. Um, so, you know, if you don't have a co-founder that has seen you in those moments, then I don't, I don't know. But, um, for, for Zach and I, uh, we, we, we used to go on these kind of like yearly Mecca trips where we would just like go out and, and just go on these epic adventures, whether it's climbing or hiking. And, um, you know, really the conversation spurned from me pulling a, a bar out of my backpack and it was melted. Uh, despite the fact that we were in like, you know, 30 degree weather and it was snow oh. on the ground and I've got a melted bar in my, in my backpack. It didn't make sense to me, um, but it really spurned the conversation of what bars can be. Um, so throughout the duration of that trip, I mean, Zach and I just continued having that conversation and, and it really uh, didn't drop off when we got home. Uh, we, we continued the conversation simultaneously zach um, was also good friends with uh with dr dershon shaw uh, they had been climbing together a lot and they were having kind of similar discussions dershon's background is an in integrative and holistic medicine um, but a lot of that comes from uh, treating uh illness through nutrition and through um, different kind of wellness activities and so um they were having these discussions as well and zach kind of said hey we're all kind of talking about the same thing. Why don't we just get together and like see what this looks like and, and talk about, uh, you know, what this project can be. And we got on a call and um, Dershon and I just melded really well together. He's, he's a great guy independently. Um, he's incredibly smart. Um, and, you know, between the three of us, we, we just said, all right, let's, let's take a crack at it. And we've kind of never slowed down since we, we really got going after that first call and never stopped. So if you had to name one or two key things that have uh, contributed to the success of three people working together, which can be challenging three individuals with different opinions, different backgrounds, you know, what has allowed the three of you to remain such a strong team? Because so often we do see in young startups, you know, conflict among the founders can creep up. Yeah, it, absolutely. And it's it's not to say that we haven't had our own challenges as well. But I think fortunately, we're all very transparent with each other. Um, we if, if there's if we feel like we're not getting something out of somebody else, we, we, we communicate that. Um, and I think it's really important that that, that open line of communication isn't uh, isn't a, uh, just something you say, it's really something that you practice. And so, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm not getting something out, out of Zach, I mean, we talk about it and we have intelligent conversations about it. It's not, uh, an attack by any means, but you know, we all have kind of roles and responsibilities and, um, you know, we need to find a way to, to make that work. Anytime you add other people in the mix, 
um, you have to really, you know, make sure that 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 everyone is 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 aware of of, of what's expected of them, uh, and, and and holding each other accountable. Um, the other piece of that, which which honestly took me a little bit more time, uh, is is just trust. Um, you have to trust that everyone's going to do what they say they're going to do, and that everyone's got the you know the right intent in in everything that they do. Um, if you don't, uh, that creates, uh, I think the biggest problem that you can have in any co-founder relationship, you don't trust your partners. Um, you really can't trust anybody because a business is not, um, is, I mean, it's, it's, it's as much as, as a relationship as, as any relationship. I mean, it's, it's really one that you're tied to that you have to really work at and be invested into. Um, and, and that comes with communication and trust. Well, you're obviously doing a very wonderful job so far, and I know that each of you wears different hats within the company. And my next question would be with respect to sort of delivering some, some nuggets of truth for our listeners. You know, you were in corporate America, you were in consulting, suddenly now you're dealing with commercial kitchens, manufacturing of food yeah. products, all of the regulations, I can't even imagine what goes into that. You're creating a brand, you're creating labels. You know, what advice would you give to people that have an idea or they have this thing they want to bring into the world, but all of these other facets and ex expertise that they don't possess are really intimidating and overwhelming? What do you do? Just do it. Just start. <laughs> I mean, really, really, just just start. Uh, I, I had zero. Between the three, three founders, none of us had any experience in, in, in food. Um, and I mean, I, I mean, zero experience. Like I, I never even worked at really a restaurant. Um, so a, a lot of this just stems from going out and just doing things and, and making mistakes and learning from them. Uh, I know that's, that's a little cliche, but it's true. The only way to learn these things is to do it. There's so many resources out there that can help you along the way. There's people that you, you, you know in your circle that have experience or know somebody that, that does that would be more than willing to, to connect to you. And, uh, and so the, the biggest piece of advice I'd have for anyone trying to start something is don't let lack of experience be a limitation experience is nothing unless you do it and the only way to to get there is to just start that process and and get things in motion um you know so everything i learned about the food business all these regulations working with co-manufacturers um you know working with ingredient sourcing and all of these things these are things that i just learned as as i as i did it and uh i've made costly mistakes um you have to expect it and, you know, as long as you can learn from those mistakes, you'll be in a good spot um, and, and always kind of carry through your same convictions that led you to start the business in the first place. Um, we never pivoted so far to say, okay, you know, we don't want clean label. We don't need clean label ingredients anymore. Let's just, mm. let's just go a different route. It'll be easier going this way. If you have a conviction to, 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 help build a business or build something, um, try to maintain as many of those, those same principles that led you to start it throughout the process. Because the more you kind of tick off some of those things off of your list, um, the, the less you, you really feel tied to why you started it in the first place. That's actually one of the biggest pieces of advice I have recurrently heard among entrepreneurial circles is on the really, really hard, challenging, heartbreaking days. Remember why you started. Yeah. And so on the days when you have had some of those heartbreaking or those hard or costly moments, you know, for Ryan personally, what is the, the driver? What is the reason why you started that keeps you going? Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, I think there's I think there's a lot to this. I, I think that for me, um, you know, uh, building something uh, that is centered in the nutrition realm has always been something really close to home for me. Um, you know, ever since I was an early teen, the idea of nutrition always kind of sparked an interest. And I've always tried to be as physically active as possible. But but really looking at the nutrition side of things was really important to me. And and I feel like we've got something really great here, something that, that's fresh, something that's new. And I want more people to learn about it. Um, one thing that we do with our product is, you know, we, we share these kind of 
what I view is more like educational resources. When you buy a box from us of cyclist bars, you get a little sheet that shows why we chose each ingredient for cyclists. And we do that not as just a credibility play, right? Showing, hey, that there's a thought behind this. Uh, we do it because it's educational as well. It's showing people that food can do these things. And it doesn't have to be things you've never heard of that, oh, all of a sudden this new ingredient was found and it's so incredible. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's common ingredients, just understanding, you know, what they can help you do, both from a fuel and recovery standpoint. Um, so the educational side of things and just getting nutrition product out there that stands for something, I think is really always appealing to me. But I think always uh, back to, to the time, you know, where I was sitting on a street corner selling lemonade to any, any person in a car that would drive by. Um, I love the idea of starting something. Um, and I hate the idea of quitting. And I love the idea of, of finding a way in any circumstances to persevere. And it's incredibly challenging. It, like, it's so easy to say these words. Um, we've had, I've had really hard days, um, even, even recently. Um, things just don't go right. And so um, you always kind of have to look at it in the same way that a professional athlete looks at, you know, uh, you know, the next game. Just they move on from the tough games. You got to figure out a way to remove it from your mindset and, and move on to the next day and say, you know, here's here's the steps I can take moving forward. Uh, and and don't don't look back on those things. They're so small. If you ask me what my last like really bad day was about, I couldn't tell you. Um, maybe it's my bad memory that I naturally have, but um, I really couldn't tell you. It's you have to find a way to move forward and beyond. That's a really great analogy of thinking about business in a game context like that, so that that stuff doesn't just continue to weigh on you. It's like, okay, fresh, fresh new day, fresh new game, new approach. Um, you know, we've just been through 2020 and COVID and the pandemic, oh which gosh. has taken a hit pretty much every business, every industry, except yep. for a few, especially small businesses, especially startups, especially as we saw um, money dry up and spending dry up in different places. You know, how did, how did this all affect crafted and what was a big lesson or a big takeaway or maybe a pivot that the brand experienced that you think could actually lead to something better? It was a, it was a tough, it was a tough year. Um, back in November, 2019, we re-released our product, um, now that it was commercially made uh, through a co-manufacturer. Um, before then, I had been making it all by hand. And so we, we made a big investment, a big step into getting a partner on board that knows our quality standards, that understands our product and understands what's expected of this product. And, and, and they can make it for us using their, their commercial equipment, which means that we can scale our business. And so we got our first major run done on November uh, 2019. And we had some really impactful momentum building months until March 2020 hit. And, you know, all of a sudden uh, it came to a complete stop. Uh, we've been focusing most of our business on uh, retail. And I don't mean retail and uh, the way that a lot of people look at things. We wanted to be really tied in to our communities. So what we did is we targeted climbing gyms for our climber bar, uh, running stores, you know, uh, bike shops, uh, outdoor retailers. Those are really kind of our core retailers that we focused on um, because we knew that those communities really connected with our, with our product. And we knew that we didn't have to compete with so many products on a shelf. Um, you go down a grocery store aisle, you've got 50 different, you know, bars to choose from. And, and it's kind of a little bit of an overload. And, and the little guy, unfortunately, isn't going to win in that scenario. Um, and so, so we wanted to go where we have a chance to really compete and where, where the communities really, you know, could help us build a name and, and, uh, you know, name around our, our brand. And, uh, and those are the guys that were impacted the hardest. Those, those small independent retailers were the ones that were impacted the hardest. So, you know, most of them were shut down for a long period of time, climbing gyms, especially even now, uh, about a year later, a lot of these climbing gyms are at a 25% uh, occupancy yeah. and uh, limit. And so 
they're heavily impacted. Running stores, bike shops were, were closed down for a period of time, and then they transitioned their business model to be like curbside pickup, which is extremely challenging for them. A lot of purchasing behaviors shifted online, um, so it you know, made it hard for them to really compete. So you know, uh, our, our revenue stream just came to a, a literal halt. It's like having a sink on and then turning it off. That's, that's pretty much what it was. And so we had, to, we had to figure out a way pretty quick to pivot our business model. And luckily, we'd already been talking about direct consumer being a primary kind of like push for us moving into later 2020. And so uh, we, we rebuilt our website. We made it a much more friendly experience to, to purchase from us. Um, you know, we had a lot more flexibility options, whether it was different pack sizes, uh, subscription. Um, we, we just, we wanted to create a different experience. And so we were able to, to, to do that through rebuilding our website. And then the other way that we pivoted was um, we did something that we never wanted to do this early. Uh, we, we targeted natural grocery. Um, we weren't sure how things were going to go for us uh, competing in that grocery store aisle. Um, you know, but we, we figured let's start small and let's test and see what this looks like. So we partnered with a, a, a natural grocery broker in the Pacific Northwest and we targeted natural grocery stores that we felt like could really connect with our brand and, and the consumers that were there, you know, they're, they're already buying these natural products and they, you know, they're already eating healthier. And so we know our audience is, is there as well. Um, shopping on a weekly basis. And so we went towards natural grocery and the response that we've had so far has really been great um, and, and exciting for us. And so the pivot for us was really going more towards direct consumer e-commerce and natural grocery. And um, that's that's the direction that we're, we're still moving towards today. So if people do want to buy your product right now, the best place to find it is at craftedenergy.com? Yeah, I'd say that's definitely the best place to find us. We have retailers that still carry our products, um, certainly. And you can see we have a, we have a, a retailer locator um, you know, on, on our website as well. But if there's nobody that's nearby, um, you know, the, the easiest is to, to buy directly from us for now. Um, we want to continue to build those, those retailer relationships. Um, uh, that's that's by no means um, something that we've dropped off. Um, you know, we've just put a little bit less of a focus in in, in that being a primary means of distribution for us. And so um, we're we're still you know open to partnering with retailers, uh, but but our website's the easiest way uh, nationwide right now. Sounds good. And um, when you and I met a few weeks ago, you had expressed that you are in the process of trying to grow your team a little bit. Is this a good time to talk about a need that you have in case any of our listeners may be interested in becoming part of the Crafted team? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're actively in our fundraising round, our second round. Um, and, and so, you know, we're, we're working through a, a structure that we feel like really um, benefits the, the interested investor, but also helps give us an opportunity to really grow the, the, the brand. Um, so we're doing this through a convertible note structure. Um, and if anyone is interested in, in participating, you know, we'd love to, um, you know, have that discussion. Um, so reach out to, to me at ryan at craftedenergy.com. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll share, uh, of course, our, our pitch deck. You can learn a little bit more about the opportunity. Um, but it's definitely an exciting time for us. We've got new products that we've developed that we're looking to release. We've got, um, uh, so we think, to be really important and, and uh, strong marketing initiatives that we think will help, help us grow uh, with the, the right momentum, especially in the e-commerce space right now, which has been uh, immensely successful for us. Um, and so, yeah, if there's anyone that is interested in uh, looking at, at Craft and Energy as an investment opportunity, I'd love for you to reach out. Right on. And I know we've got just a few minutes left, and I want to just snag a couple more morsels of ultimate truth yeah. from you. Uh, and by the way, as, as an aside, you know, that was probably one more hat that you had never worn is the hat of someone in the fundraising and um, capital investment realm. Is that fair? Like this is also your first time doing that too. So you've, you've been able to learn that situation as well. Megan, every, I think everything is my first time really kind of managing this. I mean, <laughs> I my, my background is it. really within marketing, marketing, everything else was, was really new. And so, um, yeah, invest, invest in, in 
uh, investment managing, like that, that's definitely a, a completely new process for me. And, and uh, I'm, I, you know, we're still learning. I mean, truthfully. I love it. I wish we could bottle up some of your fearlessness and distribute it because um, I suspect we would have even more brilliant products reaching the market if people had just a little tiny hint of your willingness to just learn and not let that get in your way. I just so appreciate that trait of yours. I want to. I want to. I want to reframe that because I think it's a little too nice. I think it's too <laughs> nice for, uh, on me. I think it's. I think it's maybe a little. I'm a little hard headed in that sense, ah. uh, and I mean that in the sense that like, I. I uh, I, I, I want to continue to push the envelope and continue to, to move. And whether that's product or even, you know, me personally, um, you know, goals that I have, it's, it's I'm hardheaded that, you know, it, it seems like despite, you know, things that, you know, should naturally tell me to stop, you know, I like to keep pushing. Um, and that comes when I'm climbing. That comes when I'm, you know, cycling. That comes when I'm trying to build a business or, uh, you know, playing with my two-year-old son. It's, it's everything. I, I can appreciate what you're saying. And I, I can sense that what you're trying to say is there is a benefit and a drawback to that trait or at times um, not knowing yeah. when you're on, you know, um, loose ice can be a, a, a situation that maybe your hardheadedness, you're going to persist regardless. Um, but at least in this context, it's serving you very, very well in the business context. And my question is, um, you know, <laughs> where does you. that come from? Like, what's your, where are you in the birth order? What's your Enneagram type? What's your astrology sign? Like, let's put you Ooh. in a little bit of a box here, personality-wise. Okay. Uh, I'm a Gemini. Um, okay. I, uh, uh, my Myers-Briggs, I think I'm the, the executive. Okay. Um, what was the, what was Where the first thing? What was the first are one? Are you first? Are you first oh, born? I'm, I, no, I'm the third. No? Ah, okay. I'm, I'm the third. Yeah, I I think uh, I think it's it's always looking for a way to do something a little different. That's that's I think if I were to sum it up into one thing, it's 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 my desire to to do something that is different and do something that that feels impactful for me. Um, if I don't have an interest in it, I can't fake the passion towards it. Um, if I don't have uh, a desire to really do something, um, I, I say I'm going to do it, but I never actually do it. And so, you know, the fact that, you know, here we are, you know, five late, five years, six years later after an initial call with my, my, you know, two other co-founders and, you know, we're having this discussion today about this business that we've grown. Um, it's just a byproduct of just having a passion for, for doing something, wanting to do it different and building something that has an impact, not just on me, but on other people as well. Um, and so that's, that's really the, the exciting thing for, for me. I, I don't know where it comes from. I just, I just think it's important to do. Well, it's pretty awesome to see, and you really should be proud of yourselves for doing what you've done in a fairly crowded market, as you said, but yeah. especially during the era of the pandemic and all of the impact that it had on retail and your passion and enthusiasm for the product and the company and what it stands for is contagious. And um, whether or not you ever had any formal training in sales, you're obviously very good at it just simply because you're so passionate about what you're doing. I think that's really special. Um, that's pretty awesome. I think the difference is when you treat people as people, everything else comes. Um, the, the, I think that's a that's a skill set that that's kind of been lost by a, a lot of people is you know treating business as business. Um, I think there's certainly a time and a place, but I think it's important to to understand the people that are involved in this, and and we look at it as our suppliers, as our vendors our manufacturers, our retailers, our customers, um, everyone involved, uh, we're just people. And so we should treat each other like people and, and how we would expect other people to treat us. Um, everything else, I think, kind of follows along. But I, I do want to say uh, support your local retailers. Um, the, the impacts of COVID are still hitting you know, all of these Big independent time. retailers. And yeah. um, it's really disheartening. I mean, we, when, yeah. we, when we reached out to, to build these partnerships with, uh, with retailers to carry our products from the first email or first call they get from me is I call them a partnership. And that's because it really is a partnership. Um, 
it's just as much me sharing my product with your community as it is you as the retailer sharing my product with your community. And so um, it's really important to, sh to, to support your local retailers as much as possible during these times. Make sure that they have an opportunity to stick around. Totally. And I can't speak for climbing gyms because that's outside my realm of experience. But I know with running stores and bike shops, those really are the hubs of the sport. And I know, especially from a cycling background, um, you know, the local bike shop is the brick and mortar heart of the cycling community. And it really is incumbent upon all of us to yeah. spend our dollars because, you know, we're all really sad when they close their doors. And the reality is that we all sort of implicitly played a role in those doors closing if we weren't in there patronizing the business. So I totally appreciate what you're saying. Um, yeah. And you're here in the kind of Phoenix uh, metropolitan area. And I suspect there are plenty of awesome retailers around here that carry your products. So look for them first and yeah. then check the website second. And um, so last question, do you have any recent books or podcasts that have really touched you or impacted you in mm. the context of like your business mindset or your enthusiastic mindset? You know, I, I really love um, How I Built This by Guy Raz. Um, that's my, that's my go-to podcast. If I'm going on a ride or even just throughout the day, um, uh, I think it's really important for people to feel that they can relate to something. And, um, you know, for, for me, you know, the idea of building a business is something that you always feel like you're in a silo. You always feel kind of alone. Even if you have co-founders, you do really feel sometimes alone in that and, and, and your experiences and the challenges that you're encountering. And so hearing the stories that uh, Guy Raz pulls out of his guests from some of these iconic brands and businesses uh, and movements um, is is quite amazing because it, it kind of makes you feel and realize that you're not alone in a lot of those challenges. And so, uh, I really, really love that that uh, that podcast. Um, and then another uh, podcast is uh, the one by Tim Ferriss. Um, mm -hmm. And so, uh, I think it, you know he he's got topics I think that are all over the place, right? But I think the most important thing is that he's really in tune and experimenting. Uh, himself uh, on, on, on different wellness ideas, different nutrition, different knowledge. And um, I think we should always strive to do that. We should always find um, new ways to improve ourselves. And, um, you know, he, he, his podcast constantly introduces me to new apps or, you know, new books or uh, new uh, breathing techniques to, to help kind of get through any sort of challenges or stress. I mean, those are things I think that are really important. Self, Self-care uh, especially in these times, is is imperative. So make sure everyone take care of yourselves and, and learn new things. Um, you'll be better at the other end of it. That's an awesome note to cap this show off, but it prompted one more question that I have to yeah. ask you. And it's one that we just talked about with our most recent guest, Jessica Fiakovich, too, which is as a business owner, where the work is never per se done and the to-do list is never fully checked off, like you're never caught up. How do you, Ryan, take care of yourself in the context of running a business so that it doesn't run you? Yeah, that's really great. I actually, I posted something on LinkedIn about this recently. Um, I, I always block off time on my calendars to go do something. Um, usually I block off about two hours in the afternoons um, just to go get in a ride, do a workout, um, do some yoga, just do something different, um, get active. Um, because I, I realized, um, I, I realized pretty early on that you're right. I mean, there's always something I can be doing. And a lot of times there's guilt associated with, with taking time for yourself and not doing those tasks. Um, I also realized pretty quick because of that, I was burning myself out and, uh, and, and forgetting kind of why I was doing this in the first place. I mean, why well, have a, a, a nutrition product for athletes if I, if I'm hardly working out myself, and so, you know, the idea of practicing what you preach, I think, is really important. And, and it's, it's, it, it approaches the genuine side of, of your business and your message. And so uh, me personally, how do I get through that? Um, I block off time in my calendar a couple hours, um, you know, every Monday, Tuesday, uh, Monday Wednesday, and Friday uh, to make sure that I go out and do something and uh, that no meetings or, you know, things on my to-do list are, are standing in the way. I'm better because of it. I'm, I'm, I'm refreshed coming back. 
Totally, and the creative sort of brilliance moments that come in those workouts or those quiet yeah. times as business owners, I think that's really when we do our best work. Um, uh, absolutely. Unconsciously. <laughs> I was listening to, I was listening to the, the Tim Ferriss episode of the How I Built This with Guy, uh, uh, by Guy Raz, ironically, right? Um, and, uh, and, and just listening to that podcast, I had, I think, just constant stream of ideas. And I think my challenge there was like, how do I how do I gather those ideas? How do I write them down? I'm on a ride. I'm not going to stop my progress. I think the lesson that I learned there is that, you know, as you develop ideas, um, don't stop and, and focus on those. Really let those marinate over time because it, you're going to have uh, a better idea that stems from it. If you continue to question it and you continue to, to think through, okay, that won't work. What about this? Um, at the end of that process, you'll have a well-baked idea versus, you know, 15, um, you know, underdeveloped ideas. And so uh, that was a good, actually recent lesson that I learned myself, which is, you know, sometimes, you know, it's nice to take that pause and, 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 uh, you know, uh, take the time away to focus on this task. And other times it's really important to, to really marinate on that and, and really think through and, and, and build something um, that is better than that initial idea that sparked it. Totally. Sometimes just having to get through the workout and get home will siphon or sort the ideas, those that are legit versus those that yeah. were a fleeting sort of knee jerk, because the reality is if you've forgotten it by the time you got home, it obviously wasn't that imperative. Yeah. But if it's continued to stay with you and then it even is still percolating that evening or the next day, then you really know you've got something. Those tend to be the gems. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Totally. Oh, I'm gosh, glad to right. see that you connect with that on that as well. Oh yeah, for sure. I do a lot of my speaking, um, like opening statements or um, for a jury trial or like an article. I do a lot of yes. writing in my head on a bike ride. And then what I really come away with is sort of a general outline. Then when I get back and I can kind of see how it looks on paper, um, that's where my brain goes. And I've actually had some ideation moments on bike rides where they've resulted in the formation of, of new companies, um, one of which is called Trial Athlete. And I mention it only because it's relevant to your product, which is that I try to help trial attorneys prepare for trial like they would for an athletic event. And I've told you this, when they ask me, well, what kinds yeah. of foods should I be eating during trial? You know, so often courthouses, there's typically like a subway or, or some sort of takeout, like local spot. And mm -hmm. I've encouraged them to use the crafted energy bars as fuel for the lunch breaks during the jury trials, because I know it's not going to spike their blood sugar and, and, you know, get all this like energy crash uh, later in the afternoon, which doesn't serve them. So, so um, anyway, yes. I appreciate to, that. I mean, yeah. at the end of it, it's, it's the idea is that you just go back and, and, and treat nutrition as kind of like the, the grassroots side of things, which is using real food and, and, and trying to get away from the processed things that you typically yeah. find um, throughout your grocery store visit. Um, getting back to real food, however, however you can, I think is incredibly important. Um, so we're, we're, just, we're just lucky to be a part of that conversation. Well, we appreciate you leading the charge with respect to these three bars. I can't wait to see what the next new thing is that you roll out. And I'm really excited to follow you guys and your journey with this company. It's certainly a product that I stand for and believe in. And, um, and just uh, our cycling team loves it as well. So thanks for all that you do to make the world a better place. And thanks for your time today too, Ryan. Thank you very much, Megan. I appreciate it. This was super fun. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Maximum Enthusiasm with Megan Hopman. Subscribe, check out our blog, and learn more at MaximumEnthusiasm.com.